Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. That's a wonderful invitation. Let's just go back to verse 1. Isaiah 55 opens with invitation. Ho! Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. Can we say no charge? Free. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. The promises that God gave David, you get to get get in on. And then there's the promise made to Israel of the nations being blessed by that nation. Verse 6. Seek the Lord. While he may be found, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon so there's an invitation and a reward for accepting the invitation. You're invited to return to God, He'll have mercy on you if you do. He will abundantly pardon you. 4, verse 8. Here's why He is this way. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So this is a wonderful promise. But he's not done. Now he's going to talk about the power of his promise. For as the rain, verse 10, comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. What word? The word we just read. That goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void or dead or empty or ineffective. But it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. The hills are alive. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. You ever been in the midst of trees and the wind starts to blow and the trees make the sound of applause? Kind of the wonderful promise of God's spiritual wind. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Can we pray? Lord, speak to us today from your word in such a way that it is personal to each of us. I pray, Lord, for every person, wherever we are spiritually, that you would take us another step, even a quantum leap, if you will, Lord, towards growing 
Lord, let today be a growth spurt for everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to Mantras. It's a sermon series. A mantra is a phrase that people will say for the purpose of empowerment. It could be a motto that you say to give you encouragement or that you encourage somebody else. It could be a proverb. It could be a a pithy saying or an inspirational quote that somehow it gives meaning to that which is hard to understand or somehow brings resolution to questions that are not answered. And today's mantra we're going to look at is God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. I did not just come up with these on my own. People submitted them in a survey and voted on them, and we came up with the top 12 mantras that people look to that you often hear said the most. In church, out of church, it was a Christian, non-Christian type of survey. And so people hear this. Who's heard it said, God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform? Often, this is said in mockery. On Saturday Night Live, you may see some shallow person Well, God moves in mysterious ways, and it seems as though they blame God for everything that happens, as though there is no devil or there is no human error that can bring problems in our scene. And so God just moves in mysterious ways, and, you know, um, even British television sometimes gets in on it. I'd like to introduce the Reverend Walter Goodfellow from the parish of Little Wallop. My subject is God's mysterious ways, uh, uh, God's, God's mysterious ways. I'm sorry, I'm sure that God have mysterious ways, <laughs> um, but it's the mysterious ways of God that I wanted to talk about this evening. Cod will just have to wait for their own convention. <laughs> So, God's mysterious ways. And when I'm asked, why do vicars always answer a question by posing another question, I always reply, well, why shouldn't we? Where did this phrase come from? It's not in the Bible, although I think it is scriptural, depending on how you apply it, of course. Uh, William Cowper wrote a poem entitled, Light Shining Out of Darkness, in 1773. He was the son of an Anglican vicar who was quite a cruel father. And when his mother died at the age of six, he sent his boy to boarding school where he did not fare well. He was bullied all the way through school and is quoted as having said he, did, he, could not rec- rec- he would not be able to recognize the bullies on the street because he only remembered what their shoe buckles looked like. After growing up and failing at what his father wanted to do, and that was to be a public official and practice law, he also failed in courtship. He dated someone for, he saw someone, he courted someone, uh, as they did in those days and as we should in our day, courted someone for like seven years, 
And before the wedding, the father called it off because they were cousins. Now, why did he let it go on for seven years? I don't know, but it broke his heart. Needless to say, he just, you know, not having really been mothered and nurtured and being picked on his whole life and the heartbreak, he attempted suicide once, twice, three times. And they put him in an insane asylum. And while there, he found the Lord. The person running the asylum was an amazing man. In fact, his life was so transformed, he stayed at the asylum an additional year beyond what he had to stay. He was already cured. He was there for an additional year to be discipled and to grow in his walk with Christ. When he got out of the insane asylum, he became friends with a man named John Newton who persuaded him and a family he was close to to move to Olney, where his church was. John Newton, yes, the man who wrote the songs the whole world knows, pastored in a little town. And uh, John Newton, of course, was a songwriter, wrote Amazing Grace. And he and John Newton put together a hymn book. John wrote over 200 hymns, and he wrote over 70. So close to 300 hymns. It's called the Olney Hymnal. And in that hymnal, there was a song he wrote called, There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. It's the kind of song, once you start singing it, you could sing it all day long if you, if you let it get to you. It's a powerful song. Well, in that hymn book also was a song entitled, Light Shining Out of Darkness, by William Cowper, 1773. The song in the hymnal is listed with this verse from John 13:7. What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And here's the poem, the lyrics to the song. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, He treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. I wanted to give honor to the source of these words. This guy was an abolitionist. He wrote poetry. Uh, for that cause, in fact, Martin Luther King often quoted one of his masterpieces. William Cowper penned these words. God moves in a mysterious way. So our title today is God Moves in Mysterious Ways. Can you tell that to someone? This mantra or motto is more than just an attempted explanation for life's unanswered questions. Maybe you hear it in an awkward moment where someone has poured their heart out for trouble and nobody has any answer of their troubles. And so somebody says, well, God moves in a mysterious way. Where can we do lunch? 
Anybody hungry? It's, it's not a phrase. It's deeper. It's too deep of a phrase to be used like it is. It's misused. It's mocked by comedians, and it's misused often by well-meaning Christians who can't explain questions. They don't want to say, I just don't know. Uh, well, God moves in mysterious ways. Job, while wrestling with his unanswered questions and being under attack from so-called friends as they falsely accused him and used their intelligence To attack him, he said in Job 9, verse 8, speaking of God, he does great things past finding out. Yes, wonders without number. God is mysterious. He is, you cannot, you can exhaust yourself in exploring him, but you will never exhaust the subject of Almighty God. Amen? Number two, today's phrase is much more like an invitation than an explanation. It's an invitation for discovering the awesome mysteries of God. God moves in mysterious ways is not an answer, it's an invitation. It's not an explanation, it's an invite, an evite, a prayervite, an opportunity to explore a serious subject. Our text today, we read, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. So here we have this invitation. And then God begins to declare, You're seeking Me. My ways are not above your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. What I say comes to pass. What I think bears fruit. So we are invited into a relationship with the superior God. This call into discovering more about our God is extended to all of us in the New Testament. Jeremiah prophesied in several places that a time was coming when all of his people, all of God's people would know him from the least of them to the greatest of them. So the discovering the mysteries of God is not some assignment just given to mystics and monks and people that seclude themselves for days at a time and fast 40 days here and there. It's available to us all to discover God. You can know God for yourself. Now be careful in trying to create Him in your image. Really pursue Him with all your heart and relate to other people that you know know God so you don't get off track. Romans 11 ends with these words, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. So this is mystery. This is unanswered questions. This is mysteriousness, is it not? Verse 34, For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has become His counselor? What's the question? No one, right? He's awesome, right? Verse 35, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now, we often read that, and maybe they, when they put the chapters and verses in the Bible, thought that was the end of the thought. Amen. But I think the amen is there as a word of agreement. Amen. So be it. (laughs) 
When you hear amen in a sermon, you're not hearing somebody say, hey, it's over now. No, they're agreeing with it. So these things are true. God is God. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become His counselor? For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. Still not the end of the subject. Paul's still writing. He didn't stop. He may have stopped to dip his quill in some ink, but he continues to write. I beseech you, therefore... Anytime you see the word therefore, you want to see what it's there for. Because of what I just said, the greatness of God, I beg you guys, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of this mysterious God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Why? Because he's awesome? Yes. But also because it's going to be worth it. Look at what he says in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what I hope is happening every time we meet together. Every time you open your Bibles, that your mind gets renewed. That you may prove what is that good. Can we say good? And acceptable. Can we say acceptable? And perfect. Can we say perfect? Will of God. God's will is good. God's will is acceptable. God's will is perfect. It's not three different wills. God's not schizophrenic. He has one will that is good, one will that is acceptable, one will that is perfect. That you may prove. The word there for prove means understand or discern. You can attest to God's perfect, acceptable, and good will. The will of God that is so mysterious. The will of this awesome being who has no counselor. Has a will that we don't understand. And yet, if we will present ourselves to him wholly as a living sacrifice. And renewing our minds and being transformed from the world and not being conformed to it. We can prove. We can know. We can discern. We can have some answers concerning God's good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, I'm exhorter. I'll beat a point to death, but I think, I think you got it. I'm going to stop. The mysterious wisdom of God is revealed to us by His Holy Spirit for our future glory. It's not just so we can be eggheads and be theologians with you know, more degrees than a thermometer behind our name. It's so that we can experience future glory. It is Blessing. Discovering God changes your life. It's more than an education. It's transformation. It's a revolution. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, Paul writes, But we speak wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages. For what? For our glory. For our benefit. For our blessing. His mysteriousness is an invitation to a relationship. So why is he so mysterious? Because he's so intelligent? Yes. Because he's so great and awesome? Yes. But also because he's wanting to draw us out of ourselves into unsearchable riches 
unfathomable blessings. As we pursue knowing more about him, we get to know him. Relationships are like that. Marriages need to be like that. We try to get to know one another more. Preaching to myself. Verse 9, he goes on, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That's Old Testament, Isaiah 64. Eye has not seen, nobody's seen, ears not heard, nobody's heard, nor has it any entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So that's future glory, right? But this is New Testament. He's not done. But God has revealed them to us. The unheard, the unseen, that which has not been understood or received in the heart of man, God has revealed to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. Stop being afraid of Him. Stop being freaked out by Him. If you get freaked out, get freaked out by His people, but not by the Holy Spirit. He is here to lead and guide us into all truth. So to sidestep the Holy Spirit and just chant a mantra, God moves in mysterious ways, that's taking a shortcut to nowhere. Open yourself up. Let me just do that right now. I'm not done, so... Don't say amen yet. (laughs) Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to us. May we open our hearts to you every morning when we get up and every evening when we lay down. Lord, just let your Spirit fill us. Teach us. You're the teacher. You're the comforter. You're the leader. You're the guide. You're the Spirit of Christ. The hope of glory. Thank you, Lord. Lord, may our unanswered questions make us open to the reality of you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. In conclusion, I have a question. Are you letting all your unsolved mysteries draw you to a closer relationship with God? Maybe there's some questions you just put on the shelf and you're just toughing it out, just going to endure till I make it in. Life just sucks sometimes. You may be shortchanging yourself. There is a place for endurance. It is a grace that God enables us to do. But to endure for endurance sake, I think we're falling short. We endure while pursuing a more powerful, real relationship with God. So in conclusion, this is my second closing. Take the next few minutes. I'm going to play you a song. Actually play this song that William Cowper wrote the lyrics to. Sung by Gary Chapman. And as we listen to the song, search your heart. God, is there any questions I've had that I have not allowed 
to become an invitation to pursue you for the answer. I give you an example. In our own life, in 1989, a vet went to her father's funeral in Salisbury, Rhodesia, now Harare, Zimbabwe, and they buried her father. I go to the airport a week later to pick her up, and she gets off the plane with her mom. She says, something's wrong with mom. Dad hid it from us. So we were totally unprepared. In our little two-bedroom townhouse, mom moves in with us. Eventually, we were able to move somewhere else. The first six months were really rough. She had what appeared to be Alzheimer's. Uh, Long-term memory was great. Short-term memory was bad, so she would continue to share the long-term memories over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. So we believed in healing. We did everything we could to get her healed. We took her to healing campaigns, even took her to a Reinhardt Monkey meeting. Downtown Dallas, where Mike Hayes hosted the event, and they had Pianorama, like ten pianos at the same time. It was a glorious service, the time of healing prayer. We prayed for Mama, and... and uh, it wasn't happening. Meanwhile, I'm just getting angrier and angrier. And my wife has to deal not only with her mother and our children, but also her husband. It's pretty tough. And after about six months of this, I have it out with God. I cause the unanswered questions to drive me to him. I allowed. I didn't cause. I allowed the, the mystery of her not being healed to drive me to the Lord, to be open to hear whatever he had to say. And after I poured out all the venom in my heart, all the poison, all the bitterness, all the angry at God, all the disappointment, and I was done, and in the silence on my face, I was in Lawton, Oklahoma, of all places, with Bill Leckie. We were praying together. I um, heard him speak to me, and I knew it was him because he asked questions. That's where the Jewish people get it. They ask questions, and then they answer them with questions. The question was, Alan, do you want me to use you? Yes, I want you to use me. And I said yes with all my might, because I thought God using you meant 18-wheelers and tents, jet planes and mission trips, pulpits and pews. Yes, I want you to use me. Three-piece suits and patent leather shoes. (laughs) TV shows and radio programs. Yes, I want you to use me. (laughs) Oh, yes, God's going to use me. Yes, I was so thrilled. Then he asked another question. And this was revelation. This was an invitation into relationship like I'd never known before. I wouldn't be here today if had this not happened. Yes, Lord, I want you to use me. Then came the response. Then can I trust you to show this sick woman my unconditional love? I was so selfish. I began to repent and weep. It was all about me and all the discomfort and God using me was all about me and all this stuff. Yes, Lord, I will show this sick woman your unconditional love because you told me to. 
And she was with us for two more years. And my wife can testify they were two different years in the first six months. And while I'm attempting to show her God's unconditional love, I'm not saying I ever did it perfectly, but I got a revelation of God's unconditional love for me and for everybody else. (laughs) One of the mysteries of God's unconditional love got opened to me by God. What hard questions are in your heart? that God has answers to, that maybe you've just settled back on your blessed assurance. Well, God moves in mysterious ways. I guess I'll have to endure and tough it out. No, it's an invitation to pursue God. So while you search your heart, maybe you want to kneel. You may, you may want to come kneel at the front or just there in your seat. But do business with God right now for the next, I think it's four minutes. God moves in a mysterious way His wonders to perform He plants His footsteps in the sea And rides Deep in unfathomable minds of never failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign Saints, fresh courage take the clouds ye so much dread. Are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sins, but Sure to air 
Yeah. 